How about a burger? What about a burger? No burger. No burger? No burger. No burger? No burger. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Did the boy have a difficult time sleeping? Um, I'm not, I'm not sure why he's where he is when I went to bed <laughs> in his crib pleasantly. And now he's the, on the, uh, the recliner, and the recliner is extended, and he's only three feet tall. So uh, I'm not sure why. Um, when I stayed at your house, I, I noticed that he, he, he had a propensity to wander in the night. Yeah. He just sort of, he'd uh, just sort of walk around whimpering for a little while, and he'd go back to bed. Yeah. Or he'd sleep yeah. somewhere. He'd go to sleep somewhere. Oh, yeah, he'll, he's not, uh, he's not wandering around looking for trouble. <laughs> tapping on the wainscoting, looking for a way out. <laughs> The windskid. He's a, uh, you know, sleepy. What's a small house? So yeah, I mean, it's the size of some people's bedrooms. Yeah, you may just see it all as one big uh, chambered bedroom. <laughs> How does a boy see a house? I like that. How does a boy see a house? He's lately taken to seeing it, making a distinction between home. And, and other places. Yeah. Sometimes positively and sometimes negatively. What are some of the places he likes better than home? Because I've, I, in, in the uh, toddler years in our house, I found this a, a source of, um, if I was looking for some source of disappointment and resentment, um, what my kids liked better than their actual lives was, was a good way to, place to start. Zoo uh, is better. <laughs> Zoo trumps home. <laughs> Something that he calls shoom, which I don't think is the zoo. We don't know what it is. It's like a, it's like Valhalla. Yeah. And shoom. How do you spell that? Shoom. Definitely yeah. is a question mark. Is a, a question? S C H O O M. I think it's just an S H. S H doesn't sound Teutonic. No. He says. More Gallic. <laughs> um, Is your child Gallic or Teutonic? Six questions. Take the, take the simple quiz. <laughs> like how um, the, uh, the Scientologist has, you know, are you stressed out? Like yeah. A little storefront. Yeah. You know, get your attention at a kiosk. Because everybody's stressed out. Entryway. Everyone, the, everyone. That applies to everyone, the sign. The clan's secret uh, cask in the mall said, is your child Teutonic or Gallic? <laughs> the clan? The clan mall clan. kiosk? The clan's mall kiosk. <laughs> um, so you, you, had a, you had a week of uh, crime drama. Um, Jill's, was stolen. Jill's car was stolen again. Second time, same car. How? When was the last? Was it also was it stolen in Portland the first time as well? No, it was stolen in Seattle. It's a you know trying to hit all the Pacific Northwest hot spots. <laughs> uh, 
it's making the tour. It can't make up its mind where it wants to be stolen from. <laughs> uh, it was stolen right out, right out by the in-laws. Very nice street in Portland, where the couple of days after Christmas, I, I witnessed a car theft. Oh, really? Of someone breaking into a car at six in the morning as I was looking out of the post-Christmas window. Um, and then our own car got stolen. But did you did you do this, anything? Did you do anything in response to this this the I, theft you witnessed? Didn't I tell you the story? I don't remember it. Well, it's a good, it's a feel good Christmas story. So a couple <laughs> days after Christmas, Oscar wakes up. It's about six in the morning. This this past morning. Christmas? This past Christmas. Oh no, you didn't tell me this. Go on. So whatever the day after the day after Christmas is, not Boxing Day, but uh, Australian rules Boxing Day. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Boxing day observed. And uh, Oscar gets up, we'll go down the stairs, trying to be quiet, don't turn on any lights because they don't want it to wake up everybody else in the house. Yeah. It's so early. And uh, so I'm in this, this big window. Um, I don't think that the person could see me, but I think they detected motion. Um, and so I, I saw somebody that peered into a house across the street ground level window and then uh, come and look at uh, look in, inside a few cars that are parked on the street and then um, uh, he uh, saw some motion from me and then he ducked underneath the retaining wall and kind of popped up a couple of times <laughs> like, a muppet, like a muppet wanting to talk um, like, you know like in the outtakes of a, of a muppet show like when, when they're, they're waiting to film yeah. Like the tape is rolling, but they haven't called action yet. <laughs> the puppeteer needs to scratch his nose or something. And uh, so I'm a little freaked out, so I call 911. Yeah. Uh, and I go out to look 10 or 15 minutes later to see if maybe they're out there. I expect cops to automatically show up when you call the emergency number in the city. <laughs> yeah. But I, thought, I thought maybe they'd. Come more, just you know, look out the window out of curiosity and a little bit out of fear. It's a bit unnerving. Just the uh, the uh, the person was looking at me, or looking at where you know, at the window where there was some motion. I don't think they saw right. us. Um, and the house is very windowed, so if he was, I felt you know, like he might. I felt a little menaced. Yeah. So I looked out the window again and saw uh, a car. I'll say a Taurus. Maybe it was a Yaris or a Mercury Milan. I don't know. Some small car. <laughs> yeah. An arrow. Uh, come up the street with its lights off. And then this same guy get out of the passenger side and uh, start walking up the street. And then the car following him with the lights off. Uh, and so I call 911 again. And then I see the guy running down the street with a couple of packages in his hands, <laughs> booking it. This is a, I've seen it before, the, the sort of running that somebody does after they've stolen something. I remember seeing it in, in New Orleans, seeing a guy steal a big box of Wheaties from a Walgreens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe two boxes. I think his hands were full as he ran out of the store. And he ran, and he was fast, and he was high-stepping. Like the knees were, you know, the knees were a big part of the run as he 
bounded across traffic and had a certain kind of look on his face of, of uh, as he looked back to see if everybody was chasing him. Of course, sounds no like one you're, was chasing. Sounds like you're describing uh, an Lee, Andy Andy Cap cartoon. A bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just stolen some hot chips. <laughs> so this guy was running over there, and then the cop showed up a little while later. Uh, so that, that exact spot is where the Subaru was parked um, on Sunday or Monday morning when it went missing. And so it has not yet been recovered. Not yet recovered. We spent, uh, I spent uh, three hours driving around Portland looking for a green Subaru wagon with an Obama sticker on the back. It's <laughs> well, hundreds of them, John. Oh, Never shit. Seen so many of a thing. As many as, as many as there are scales on a fish. <laughs> leaves on a tree <laughs> Portland from space is green from all the green Subaru roofs with little uh, red white and blue from the Obama stickers so uh, uh, it, may, it may yet turn up but uh, we have gone ahead and purchased a second car oh good a replacement car all right Jill and as she was uh, car shopping it was a little bit too much for Oscar and so we uh she dropped Oscar and I off at the, what I'd like to talk to you about today. Oh. The Linwood uh, Skate and Bowl. Combination bowling alley, skating alley. Skating, uh, rink. skating rink. But I like skating alley. <laughs> skating alley and a yeah. bowling rink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old bowling alley and skating rink. We've he flipped the script. Now you're roller skating <laughs> in your bowling lane. Please only roller skate in the lane that you've rented. Skating and, and watch bowling. Watch out, bowlers. There's yeah. a, it's now just an open field of bowling and bowling. <laughs> <laughs> bowling a, and skating like you've never seen them before. <laughs> sign this liability waiver, please. <laughs> Just sign two, one for each activity. You just reminded me of my fi- favorite line from Weird Al Yankovic's Madonna parody, Like a Surgeon, which is, yes. here's a waiver for you to sign. Instead of what line? Feel your heartbeat next to mine, I think. Nice. Yeah. Both uh, skating and bowling are very reliant on, on a heavily polished floor. Heavily polished wood laminate floor. You've thought this through. You're correct. Spent about three hours there. The pa- the parallels between the two. You've you've uh, you're drawing them with great skill right now. Timber related. Yeah. <laughs> There's rolling. Rolling involved. Uh, we spent a lot of time at the Linwood Boland's Gate uh, without engaging in any of the activities. We didn't. Okay. They didn't know how long we were going to be there, and I didn't have on any socks. You in didn't have any. I didn't. I don't. I don't wear socks right now. Um, I'm on the. Just, I'm on the oh, website right now. It looks awesome. They ask for. Um, you have to change your shoes for both activities. So we didn't skate. We didn't bowl. But we watched these other people doing these, and we played some pool and some air hockey, and Oscar found the um, a candy crane. Yeah. And one, Nightmarish, you know, put in money in the move the crane and it drops and picks yeah. up nothing. Yeah, he became a little obsessed with that. 
And then when we were done, there was a new car. So tell me, uh, what kind of... Uh, is this, did you get a, a, a new used car or a brand new car? A used car. Fairly inexpensive. I haven't seen it. Yeah. We'll finish the purchase, but I, I, haven't, I haven't seen it. So is she still in Portland with a new car? Um, no, she's here in, in town. The, okay. the purchase was made in Seattle. Oh, all right. On, uh, uh, Linwood is a suburb to the north of Seattle. Right. the the, I, the uh, Highway 99 corridor. We stopped and had some Peruvian chicken. No. To, to, to the place. Do tell, where? Don Fernando's? San Fernando? San Fernando Peruvian chicken. Aurora. Aurora no. Avenue in Seattle. San Fernando roasted chicken. Yeah. Um... Unfortunately, they, they they don't have their own website, so we we'll have to resort resort to the um, got to resort to the uh, uh, Yelp page. Yeah. Uh, so was it good? Uh, it, I, it, it was good. It's a good representative of Peruvian roasted chicken. If you've never had that particular uh, pollo a la brasas, I have not. I haven't had in a while. There was a a lot of it in D.C. So when I spent my my year in Washington, I, I had this often. The first photo um, that displays on my browser when I go to the Yelp page for San Fernando roasted chicken is a, a picture of the toilets. And uh, the and this the um, the uh, the person who took this photo, the the picture is of two toilets that are not separated by any any uh, concealing wall. For just a couple of toilets just sitting there a, in the room. And a it conversational says, setting. Yeah. It says, yeah. good chicken, and you can have company in the restroom. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't notice that. Yeah, that's really good. Um, it actually, this looks like, um, it reminds me a little of the Peruvian equivalent of the, um, the great L.A. chain. Um, oh, shit, I'm going to forget the name of it now. Zanku. 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 Zanku chicken, which is yeah. great. Which is Middle which Eastern, is right? Lebanese. Lebanese. Yeah, oh God, that, that place is oh, great. They give you a massive shit. pile of this garlic paste to slather so on everything. Yeah. 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 Oh, Zanku chicken. This is not as good as Zanku chicken. Oh, okay. Zanku chicken is great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, my, my only visit to Zanku chicken was, um, there's this guy named... I'm going to get his last name wrong. Ken something. I got, he's in my contacts, but I, I haven't talked to him in a long time because I haven't had a literary event in LA for nearly a decade. Um, LA is always the the gig that doesn't, that falls through. So I haven't been there in a long time. Um, but the, uh, I would like it to be a part of my book tours because it's fun to read in LA because um, as I'm sure you know, against, against conventional wisdom, LA is a great book town. It is. And, um, but there's this guy named Ken who uh, is like the literary escort for Los Angeles, and he is extraordinary. Like he will, um, he'll bring you to your events because it's unlike most cities, uh, I can't be relied on to get myself around town either in a car or on a on public transportation. The former because it's too stressful, and the latter because it doesn't exist. And um, so this guy, Ken, will pick you up from the airport, and he will drive you to your readings and your hotel, but he will also, he knows where every place to eat or sign books 
in between all your destinations is. So he will impulsively pull over. Even if you only have 15 minutes to get there, he will pull over and have you sign books, and he'll get you some Zanku chicken. Um, and then he'll get you to the bookstore on time. He's, he's an extraordinary uh, uh, logician. Is that right? Logician? Logistician? Sure. Yeah. So... Just a... But the the Zanku chicken was like one of those, I was really hungry, I had to get to the thing, and he said, we're stopping here, and I said, I don't think we have time, and he said, don't worry, we have time. You'll get it very quickly, and you'll eat it very quickly. And he yeah. was right. He was right on both counts, and it was great. Did you have a half chicken? Did you have yep. a, a sandwich type? No, no, I had a half chicken. It's, it's one of those meals that I have... Um, uh, of the sort I've talked about often uh, on this podcast, that I eat in a place that is not my home and that I'm unlikely to return to soon. And it is unbe- unbelievably delicious and memorable. Yeah. And in retrospect, it's hard to know whether, in fact, I was right. It was that good. It was. Yeah, in this case, it sounds like it was. Yeah. But, or if it's simply that... Uh, Simply that it was a special moment, an unexpected, uh, unexpected treat. That uh, is it the kind of simple pleasure that um, you wish you could have all the time, but your you know your life doesn't really admit as too many of. Or maybe because you went there with a friend you like. Uh, there are lots of reasons for a meal to be memorable. Um, so th- this past week, I was in I was in New York for the for the Okie Panky launch party, and. Um, Months ago, I had gone to New York, and I told you about this cafe called El El Mejor, right? Um, and uh, which is just literally a hole in the in the wall with some. Um, oh, let me find it. There's some with, with some stools outside, and it's just a Cuban style uh, coffee, and uh, they'll they'll give you the the Miami breakfast, which is a cafe con leche and uh, some tostada. Which is just some, you know, bread, white bread that's been um, grilled uh, with butter. And uh, my friend who I had been there with, Laurel, said, "Yeah, there's another one of these that you can actually sit in. You can sit down in." Um, and uh, so months go by, and I'm going back to Brooklyn for this party. And I said to Laurel, "We have to make a date for." The, the morning I have to leave, and we'll go to the sit-down sit cafeteria down. Le, Le Mejor, and it's um, it's so great, it's so impossibly great, and the the cafe con leche is fantastic, and uh, I'm going to link to this place again because it's so so very yummy, um, and of course they have as as I mentioned last time the the best logo I've ever seen for a coffee shop. But in this case, uh, it was every bit as delicious as I had remembered. It was one of those, like, you know, I was at this place for 10 minutes. I ate, I had to eat very quickly because I was leaving town. And for then the next four months, I thought about this meal, this little meal every single day. Um, but anyway, but so the, but the sit down place also has a, has small and it has groovy decor and, uh, really nice bearded white dudes. Um, serving one. Uh, was the actual coffee or tostada better at one or the other? I actually think that the the tostada was slightly better at the um, hole in the wall, but it might just have been the, you know, if I if I went and had thirty mm-hmm. on different days, I'm I'm sure that 
some days would be better than others. So I can't say that one of the two branches is better than the other overall. Um, can we pause for a second? I need to track down my glasses. I sure. didn't put them on as I was getting ready, and I can beginning to feel the the strain. Go right ahead. I'll uh, I'll refill my coffee while you're doing that. There we go. Hi. Thanks for your indulgence. Sure. So anyway, uh, yeah, the um, uh, this is one of the rare uh, um, rare opportunities where you go back to the legendary place and it's just as good. So I recommend it if you if you live in or near Bushwick. So that's uh, El Mayor, Hole in the Wall, or uh, Sit Down Place, Zanku Chicken. Yeah, La Mayor, by the way. La I Mayor. Wrong. Forgive me. Spanish language. Um, yeah. Big week for John. Yeah, it was a, a lot, big week. A lot, a lot went on for you. Had yeah. Fine bread man story was in the New Yorker. Speaking of bread, yeah. Um, Good story. Nice illustration. Thanks. Thank. Yeah, I like the illustration very much. <laughs> uh, not that you read reviews, but a very nice review of the book of stories. In and fact, I, I did read this one. My publisher. New York Times. Um, yeah, because it's the kind that I'm bound to see one way or another. I just thought I'd get it over with and read it. And um, the young woman who wrote it um, just published her first collection of stories. I thought the review was really well written. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much so that I uh, I sent her a little thank you on uh, Twitter, which I don't know if that's appropriate. I don't know. Um, occasionally a writer will write and thank me for a review, even if it's not totally positive. Brock Clark uh, sent me a little note after I reviewed his book in the times a couple of weeks ago um and i, I always feel like yeah i always feel like it's great it's nice it's nice to hear that that someone you've analyzed someone's work in some way um and they have found it to be yeah. you know pleasing but on the other hand it's it's i feel like there should be kind of a, a a wall there but of course there isn't and there can never be because there are only about 94 well, writers in america there's a difference of uh, um uh, of like a, somebody who just reviews, you know, a professional reviewer who is you know, more or less exclusively a reviewer um, and somebody who writes, you know, a writer who writes reviews occasionally. Yeah. I think as far as, as uh, uh, what's appropriate there, you know. Yeah. I don't think you need to write a note to somebody whose job it is to review books. But, okay. But knowing that, that you know, a writer Writes a handful of reviews. Um, so you're putting uh, you're putting me in the handful category, I think. But no, you write a lot of reviews. But uh, yeah, would you, you do put, it? You, you do it uh, occasionally. I mean, seriously, but occasionally. Yeah. So where would you put? Okay. So you definitely put like Janet Maslin or or Michiko Kakatani in the yeah. paid to write book reviews category. So where would say it's their it's their beat as journalists. Yeah, yeah. Where would say like, Walter Kern go? I think Walter goes in the uh, like Walter Kern or John Updike are you know even though they write lots of reviews it's still a uh, uh, it's still an occasional thing because so they're because first and foremost they're a they're a writer of, right. of primary texts they're writing the reviews not because they're reviewers but because they are practitioners okay okay yeah no I, th- I think um, there's a famous case of of uh, what was useful to get. In, uh, uh, to develop uh, uh, conversation around a review, it was who was it? It was James 
James Wright. Is this right? James Wright and James Dickey. Yeah. Dickey uh, reviewed uh, one of James Wright's books. I think it was St. Judas. Um, and, and nobody cares about James Dickey uh, or what he thinks, but they did it at the time. Um, and it was a really negative review. And, and James Wright wrote him saying, like, well, what, what could I do better? You know what? Why? Why? Why the hate, man? What? But he was, I think very earnestly, and the, the the letters are in his book. Uh, oh yeah. Very earnestly, also saying like, "Well, what? I, mean, I don't I don't fully understand what you're saying here," and and Dicky pushing him then in private correspondence, um, you know, further his criticisms and observations, um, and it's one of the things that that makes right sort of create leads to the crisis um, after Saint Judas that. On one hand, makes it a long time until his next book, but turns him into, you know, a much more interesting poet than he'd been. And Dicky. And Dicky, uh, in the speeches he made embracing the Vietnam War and other weird stuff that he did, uh, starting about that point, made him um, helped him become very irrelevant to people who actually his efforts to uh, his efforts to. Uh, <laughs> to forcefully co-direct the uh, films based on his books. Yeah, it's, it's a, he's kind of a. So in this case, of somebody who it was a very major figure while he was alive, and then yeah. death has has helped erase him the way it does everyone. Yeah, yeah, but but um, but it was you know the there was a, a case of writing to your reviewer. Uh, who he didn't know at the time, and was of a, I guess, was of a different generation. Yeah, and it, it leading to uh, productive results. And of course, um, I think Keats entered into some sort of correspondence with whoever wrote the bad review that that killed him. Uh, his own early death was a sort of letter to his reviewer. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Keats the the the. the the uh, the saying is that he's you know, he was killed by a bad review. Yeah. I don't I don't know. There's part of me that um, I'm pretty comfortable with my with my position of not reading my reviews, not not from any sort of professional standpoint of professional utility. Just that I I know um, how I I think that the anxiety and um, that would result from thinking about the existence of reviews of my work and then reading them is more damaging to my writing than the possibly intelligent criticism contained within the reviews would be good for my writing. I'm pretty sure. But sometimes I think about revisiting that, that idea and engaging with what people say about my work. I think maybe the problem is that there aren't a whole lot of really, um, really intelligent critical reviews out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there are some critical reviews and there are some nice reviews, but ones that um, say things about what I'm doing that I might not recognize. Right. Um, there weren't many of those, and mostly I, I just felt uh, kind of misunderstood, even when I was um, being praised. Yeah. And I've seen that even with a handful of, of responses that I've, I've had to my books. Yeah. Um, I find it kind of un- uninteresting. Uh, yeah, you know, or irrelevant. 
a review at this point. Well, yeah. You know, I'm not, I, I think I can understand it's, it's an opportunity to sort of to get a grade or, you know, get <laughs> some sort of approval. And there's so few things that we get graded on. It's nice to get a grade, but we don't need grades. As adults. No, we do, we do want. Some, I mean, we of course we want some kind of validation for what we're doing because there's a there's the feeling that we're sort of writing into a void. But I'll have to say this is this is. Uh, um, I should probably keep this to myself, but I never keep anything to myself. Uh, it was <laughs> this was this was a great week for me as it ought to have been. Um, you know, because uh, a lot of people on social media, hey Oscar, were commenting with uh, with. Most mostly great enthusiasm about the short story in the New Yorker, and then the magazine came out. People seem to like the magazine so far, um, for which I thank you and Alice and Rian. Uh, and thank and, you, thank you for your vision and leadership. Yes. Now all we have to do is be excellent at it every single week for the rest of our lives. Okay. Yeah. We have to please our we have to please our Tumblr followers now. Uh, and, uh, so I was basking in a great deal of attention, most of it positive, uh, and it made me super uncomfortable, I gotta (laughs) say, it's, it's, it's exhausting, it's exhausting, and, um, it's not, this is not a complaint, because I, I would love it if, say, one week every year I had this much attention paid to me, but I suddenly (laughs) got a sense of what it must be for people who are, like, a hundred times more famous than me every single week, um, and yeah. there, you know, I really enjoy getting to engage with people on 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 Twitter and with friends and colleagues and and sort of writer acquaintances um, in various forms. And yeah. uh, I, I I think if you I think uh, for someone who is really well known and sells a lot of books, it they don't really have the freedom to do that the way that uh, the way that I do. So yeah, yeah. Oh, still a good week. It was a really good week. Objectively, a very good week. Yeah, yeah. I I'm shocked at all the attention the magazine got. I think um, I don't know. I don't know why. Honestly, I think I mean, it shows think, that there's. I think it shows there's a hunger for it. But for what? What are we doing that people were hungry for? Because it seems to me that we're just doing a thing because we 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 just want to put some of the stuff we like on the internet, right? Yeah, that's not how we phrased it. <laughs> you, <laughs> Phrased it a lot more, uh, in a way that was more, um, uh, more uh, uh, attention grabbing. Well, it's 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 a hopeful act. I think it's people people like I mean, mostly when you hear about a literary magazine, it's about some long treasured literary magazine closing its doors. Yeah, yeah. Instead of, oh, here are some, uh, or or and a lot of the new mag- magazines that are started are often by people who are also sort of starting their writing careers. Yeah, you know, like just out of grad school or in grad school, or you know, in their twenties, and have a great idea and a lot of enthusiasm and energy, and and uh, um, and those are great, and they um, collapse quickly, usually. Yeah, and this both is you know by some people who've been around the block a little bit, and yeah. uh, seems yeah. like we have a plan for it to continue for a while. Yeah, that's. I think that's unusual and hopeful. Um, maybe it is. And I, I, I like, uh, if I say so myself, our visual aesthetic is looks different from the other literary magazines. I think half of the interest is just the typeface of Okie Panky. <laughs> um, oh, and by the way, that, uh, I want to give a shout out to um, 
to the diagram, which is um, Ander mm-hmm. Monson's magazine, mm-hmm. online magazine. They published the sh- they published the short story, and I didn't know about them until uh, an online friend, uh, Jennifer Rice Epstein. I was looking for places to send these little tiny stories I've been writing, and she suggested the diagram. And I guess she knows Ander, though he and I share a publisher. I I've never met him, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and at that time I don't even think I'd heard of him when she when she recommended this. Um, so it just was another small magazine to me, but I think they have a, a visual and rhetorical style that is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did publish a few of my little stories. Um, and I'm really happy about that. Uh, and I bought, I bought a t-shirt from them, which seems to be a picture of, I'm reading it as this image as, um, and let me, let me try and find it. Cause it's kind of hard to find the stuff on their site. Um, intentionally i think uh it's part of what i like about the design um it's a it's one it's a big rat some kind of some kind of animal i think it's a rat um and it's standing on what looks to me like a big pile i'm reading it as a big pile of um uh manuscripts mm-hmm. literary manuscripts yeah, yeah yeah and lying on their backs clearly dead are two small smaller rats that perhaps the big rat has killed, and uh, it and one of the rats says the, and the other rat says diagram, or maybe one says dia, and the other one says gram. Oh, here it is, swag. Let's see. See they and they also have a uh, disc golf discs. Here, I'll send you this photo of a uh, here this photo of a very comely young woman wearing the shirt, but I'll I'll just copy the image. Um, I'll send it to you via Skype. This is a wonderful shirt. Anyway, so they sent me the shirt. I bought the shirt. They sent me the shirt. Um, cause I always want to have a, a shirt of the magazine that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And, um, damn it. How do I, I, I forget this every time. How do you get the messages on this thing? Send, send files. That, yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll put, I'll put up the. Okay. <laughs> oh, you, you, it's the little little talky, little talky yeah, thing? Yeah, I think sometimes if I just send you something, there. then a, a box uh, appears, and then you can use it. All right, perfect. So I'm going to just drag the... Oh, God. Ed, the internet. What is it with the it's internet? Cumbersome. It's Benedict yeah. Cumbersome. <laughs> uh, there, I sent, you a, I sent you a link to it. And, and the title of the JPEG seems to say that these are gerbils. Not not rats. I can see them as gerbils for sure. Oh, that is nice, isn't it? Good. So get this though. Yeah. They so they sent me the they, shirt. I don't know if they killed them or just outlived them. Certainly is larger than the others. I'll say one thing about it. It seems um, to have no no. It seems to have had no emotional reaction to these deaths whatsoever. It seems lobotomized. The the big gerbil. Yeah. Um, so it they haven't learned of it yet. It just sort of wandered onto the stage, <laughs> and everyone get to see <laughs> what everybody else knows. Everyone, everyone's we staring. know that the other gerbils are dead, but it doesn't. <laughs> the moment before it learns, <laughs> and it's like, no, what, guys, what? You're looking at me funny. What? <laughs> but I got something on my face. <laughs> I got toilet paper stuck to my shoe. Uh, anyway, they sent me the shirt, and in the package with the shirt is a handmade 
a little signed um, uh, mix CD. Nice. With a bunch of uh, you know uh, up to date indie rock songs on it, very good. Yeah, good. CDR. They sent me a CDR of of uh, of good songs. Very nice. So. Shout out to them indeed. Yeah. So uh, so I I like Shout the out diagram. Shout waste bongers diagram. <laughs> But they've been seem they seem to have been around for quite a while. I don't know why I haven't heard of them before. They that. have. They're, they're a, a, a good publisher of, of uh, strange poetry. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Frequently. Um. Yeah. <clears throat> Magazine. I missed the party. I don't, I don't think uh, we've spoken. Yeah. No, we haven't. We haven't. I've been saving it for the podcast. Um. I would like to tell you the party was a drag and that. Uh, it's a good thing that you were not able to go, but actually, it I saw was really, pictures. Everybody was happy and drunk. It was really fun. Yeah, everybody was. Ha- Boy, those Okie Pankies! Everybody they danced all night with a bottle in their hand. Yeah. <laughs> well, they 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 shut us out at ten, so it was not going to yeah. get too rowdy. But um, uh, but it was great fun to hang out with Alice IRL and right. um, uh, Anne read her essay, her wonderful essay, The Rib Room. Yeah, um, good essay. Never expected to see Anne perhaps ever again, and I got to spend a fun evening with her and her husband. That was great. Great Uh, And I read uh, Sharma Shields' uh, wonderful story that is coming out in the magazine in a couple of months, um, which I won't say too much about, but it's super vulgar. Has has the most delightfully vulgar line of dialogue I've seen in a short story in a decade. Very good. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh, yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, so yeah, onward and upward. I'm I'm excited about Okie Pink Panky. I think uh, I think we're I think we're making a good. So those are, how are the drinks? The Okie Pankies are good. The attendees uh, get their drinks. Yep, they got their drinks. They they ran out of freebies very quickly. I had one, and um, it is the crazy thing is it tastes very light. It tastes like there's not a whole lot going on in there. Like it's very. It will be a good summer refreshing cocktail but there's a lot of freaking booze in that thing and uh it it hit pretty hard good i gotta say i had to i had to i had to carefully i had to carefully uh calculate my intake for the rest of the evening aside from you and and alice and her friend chris and Anne and brad uh who who attended well i met uh you know I any sh- of the people i i knew some of the people uh of m- people the electric literature people, uh, Andy and Halima and Lincoln, were there, and a few other people from there. Uh, my friend Adelaina Kavanaugh, uh, mm-hmm. Asian snack master, who we've we talked about. We still need to talk to in person on the yes. podcast someday. Yeah, she I think Andy. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And there's always, there's always, there are always more snacks. Uh, so she was there. My friend Laurel, I mentioned earlier, came. Uh, my friends Dave uh, and Jeff, Jeff G. W. Duncanson, who were publishing one of his comics, actually, a very weird comic involving a Mickey Mouse ambulance and a uh, a voluntary double, double amputation. Nice. That everyone will love. Uh, my editor from the New Yorker, Cressida, was there. And brought her friend Liesel Schillinger, who's a writer, I guess, book reviewer, among other things. That's I think that's how I know her work is she writes reviews for the Times. Um and a bunch of other people I I 
saw in passing who looks familiar and I didn't get to talk too much. A good, happy crowd. It was a good, happy crowd. Receptive. Good. Nice bar. Nice people. You know, so I'm, I wish you could have been there. I should have been there. You, but, well, we, you know, oh, so this reminds me. So I've been in correspondence with, um, and this is for, this, this goes for anyone, not just you and me, anyone who happens to be listening. So we're publishing an essay, um, a really, really good essay about working at a liquor store from a woman named Emma Torres. Do you know her? Sure. Sure. Yep. So a friend of Alice's and you know her from she uh, Montana, just, I guess. Uh, she was still living, she was living in Missoula um, when I was there, although she was, I think, graduated several years before. Yeah. yeah. She would so often she, be, she would often be at, um, uh, not Freddie's, Bernice's. She would often be at Bernice's yeah. when I would go there with Oscar. She'd be trying to work and Oscar and I would bother her. <laughs> well, you, you didn't bother her so much that she hasn't been able to write at least one really, really good piece that is going to be published in Okie Panky. So I found out um, while gathering her uh, like contributor information that she lives in Minneapolis where AWP is happening in mm. April. And I said, well, should we, you know, I'd like to do a, a, a sort of informal meetup of Okie Panky staff contributors and readers. Uh, where should we have it? And she suggested several places, the, the CC club, she said, Tracy's and Grumpy's. And then. Oh, I know um, Grumpy's. You know Grumpy's? Grumpy's in Northeast, yeah. Grumpy's is a good little bar. Is I had it... my first, um, I had my my first, and I think only alcoholic blackout um, while I was visiting Minneapolis once, and yeah. uh, and Jeremy got to take me on a tour of the places that we had gone uh, the next day, and that included that we, apparently we had been at Grumpy's for a long time, and I had been very entertaining. <laughs> As you uh, often lo- are, looking around Grumpy's and seeing that it was entirely possible. Um, but not remembering it. Well, I should say there are multiple Grumpieses. Um, I love the look of the. I'm looking at their website now. I'm looking at the uh, the northeast one. Does look great. It's like it's just a it's just a block with a giant wall of uh, of window. Um, but but the uh, Emma meant the downtown one, which is I guess closer oh. to where the. But then she sent me another email, at, a follow up email with only one word in it, and or two words, and the words are the chatterbox. Do you know the chatterbox? No, I don't. All right. Well, um, people should people who are listening. If there's anyone listening who is um, who Minneapolis, lives in Minneapolis, uh, and oh, this looks this place looks really sweet too. Best neighborhood bar in Minneapolis says Reader's Choice Award City Pages. Best place for a first date, and we'll be going on a sort of first date with our yeah. with our people. So we'll we'll think of we'll choose one of these places to meet and we'll choose an evening to meet and we'll meet for some drinks in Minneapolis and have a little okie panky uh, happy time. That'll be very nice. Yeah, my lady will not be there, but I think Alice is going, right? I think so. Yes, and uh, I think she and Kim, also from um, Idlewild, are going. Great, great. I'll be there. Be I'll be there. To see the Okie Panky people. Yeah, the Panky people. Okie Panky people, put your hands in the air. <laughs> Okie Panky didn't say, put your hands in the air. Um, that's good. That's good. I'm so excited. Uh, I hope that people enjoy the magazine. Uh, 
and are, are patient. There'll be a, a week between uh, new literary works, but I like these. I like the question and answers. I like the questions. Yeah. Um, they're coming through. It's a nice. The timing is nice. Yeah. Um, for me, that it's a. Uh, uh, it's not the same time as, as the work. It's not the day after. It's a couple of days later. Yeah. We get the questions. After the, the story or poem or comic has been in our heads an uh, mm-hmm. appropriate length of time, that it may, begin, may be beginning to fade from the impression that it's made. <laughs> That's right. Help cement it. It's like having a little quiz, a little diagnostic quiz. It's not for a grade, but it, is a, it helps refresh. And uh, I'm Chris Offit was the only one who hadn't yet responded to the questions, and that Rian sent him, but he but he now has, so I'll probably post oh. that later today, and then tomorrow we'll have some new uh, poems from Mark Halliday. Two, two very good poems. Yeah, I like I like these poems a lot. Yeah. Um. So that was last week. What are you doing this week to top it? Oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little writing, and I'm gonna go back to work. I have, uh, I have to go and teach uh, some classes. Although this one is just going to be the getting together to, to let them know they can't all be in the class and then go back to my office and and uh, ritually, you know, uh, cut them, cut cut some people and feel really bad about it for about three weeks. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. How, bad, how long do they feel bad about it? I I don't know. Three minutes? I don't know. Sometimes some um I think Cornell students are Cornell students have been raised to to be assertive and it's a proud think, bunch. Yeah, I think they've been told that it that uh they're not going to get anything in this world unless they demand it. Um and that's a I think that's a good philosophy sometimes, but um but uh when it comes to getting into my class it's really just not a good idea. Um yeah. so there will be a few who will um who will demand to get in after I cut them or uh, will want me to critique the manuscript to explain what they did wrong. Um, but other than that, mostly students find, find a class that they can take, a section that they can get into, and then everyone's happy by the middle of September or the middle of uh, February. Mm-hmm. That's my hope anyway. There's an abundance of good students is the problem. I would love to teach them all, but um, we're a little bit short-staffed. I must say, to my surprise, we started a major or a minor in creative writing, and creative writing has become more popular, despite its utter lack of um, real-world utility. Yeah. Hire some more people. I would like to. What are these larger classes? No. Just like no. 30? No. <laughs> Not are going there, to do... Why aren't there enough chairs, John? <laughs> Actually, there often aren't. I got assigned this classroom once. Um, I had a class with uh, with like thirty students in it. Um, a graduate. No, it wasn't thirty. It was like twenty, twenty two, something like that. Um, yeah. a, it was a graduate uh, lit and creative writing seminar, and uh, we show up at the room, and it's a windowless box with with eight chairs in it, and it was it was dominated by a giant television set. Um, which is, you know, something that I could see using in the classroom, but not by default. Yeah, and not at that scale. No. Um, and so I actually, in order to hasten the reassignment to a, to a decent classroom, I actually 
did a, a pano shot on my phone or someone else's phone um, depicting all of us looking extremely sad, pressed up against the walls. And they, they quickly gave us some room in the math building, um, which was kind of fun. It's nice, it's nice colonizing, you know, colonizing another uh, department like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm, and mostly though, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to revise my novel and I'm, I'm, uh, I made, I took the notes. The first, the first draft, uh, were read by Rian and, uh, my friend Lauren. A lot of their comments overlapped or were versions of the same kind of stuff, which is, which is a good sign in my view, but some of them were different. So I, I took out the notebooks from these meetings with them and I, I typed it all up into the six page document with all the stuff I had to do in the order that they, the problems appear in the book. And then I'm just going through the list and I'm fixing a thing and then I'm doing, I'm strike throughing the notes mm-hmm. and um, it's pretty methodical and I think it's going all right, but I feel like. feels bureaucratic. Yeah. I some I guess like, I guess one, once everything is crossed out, I'll go back and then just start the process of smoothing it all over. Um, sanding it, polishing it, but I, I, I've, I've, I'm uncomfortable with the method, but I don't actually know what other method to employ. I feel like it's productive, but maybe it's productive in too, yeah, too bureaucratic a way. I don't know. How do you feel about this? How do you revise a book once you have a draft of a, once you have a manuscript of poems that you regard as a book? Well, some of the phases, sometimes it's very bureaucratic. Sometimes it's going through uh, finding and replacing, um, uh, you know, seeing if I need every the, you know, seeing if I can get rid of a bunch of thes and trying to find ways around the, or uh, noticing I've used a word too often and then going going through and seeing if I need, if I can get, you know, erase it. Get get away from it. Um, sometimes the, it's sometimes it's uh, just slash and burn. Just cut things, discard. Yeah. That's what I've been on lately. Is discarding uh, things, anything that gave, anything that bothered me. Just get rid of it. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes it's a building up. You know, uh, sometimes it's, sometimes it's bureaucratic. Sometimes it's it's a. Uh, um, you know, severe and limiting, and sometimes it's uh, generously seeing what more I can put in it for, you know, mm-hmm. what, what what new stuff I can bring into it. Yeah, that latter, I'm more, this was not the case when I was younger, but now I'm more comfortable with the cutting than I am with the, with the adding. I feel the adding, the cutting is a streamlining, but the adding is a, is a, is a, yeah. is a is a lumping. I think revising a revising a book is like being uh, everybody in the the uh, in the small states, um, uh, cantankerous legislature. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> there's competing competing pressures. There's ideologies. There's uh, some actual work that needs to be done. Um, there's some, there's some grandstanding and there's some, uh, <laughs> you know, some petty maneuvering uh, in order to, to get the, uh, the, uh, the desired result, which is a, a passable, uh, bill. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, petty maneuvering indeed. Um, that's how it sounds. Although I do find there's something about the type of excitement and inspiration that you get to experience. I'm, I can only speak for myself here, but um, so I'll, I'll, I'll back off that second person. But that, uh, that I get from r- revising uh, than drafting in the first place. Not, it's not better or worse, but it's a different type of excitement. Um, when you find a, you can drop a certain thing into a certain place that you didn't think could accommodate something. And not only could it accommodate it, but it needed it, and you didn't realize no. it at first. Wordsworth says that the pleasure of difficulty overcome. Right? Yeah, yeah. Solving a puzzle, solving a mystery. Yeah. Learning a thing. Yeah. Seeing what it really is. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's the process I'm going through right now, which is um, alternately exciting and uh, and humiliating because some some of the some of the books pretty bad. Um, most of it is not. The, but uh, there's a bit. One thing Rian said about the first third of the book. All she, all she said was the first third of the book is really slow, and I'm not interested in these two characters. Um, but I didn't quite know what to do about that, and then. Uh, and then Lauren said, agreed with Rian, and then said, just just cut these chapters. Just cut them. You don't need this because you get this material from other people's point of view later. And the character who is in chapter four is actually the protagonist. So that should become chapter two after the introductory chapter. And then that character sort of owns the novel the way that she was always supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um so I tried it, and I had this sense of panic as I removed about 40 pages from my novel. But since then, the stuff that I've had to add uh, has more than overtaken the 40 pages that I cut, and the stuff that I added, I think, is better and more interesting than the stuff that I cut. Um, but that feeling so of... So was it chronological? Um, Were those first chapters the first part that you'd written? Yeah, I wrote the whole book chronologically. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't... That would be hard I to do. It's what yeah, brought you into it. Yeah. Yeah. I well it's, you know the the book is really about these three starts out about these three three members of a family, a man, a woman and a uh, adolescent girl and uh I I just wanted to go into each of their heads and see what was going on in there and I use I went with the adults first and then I have the child seeing all of their experiences through her eyes and it turns out that um by the time I got to her I had figured out the other two better and mm. the the sort of light touch with which I filled in their backstories through her as as it's brought to bear upon her um is is much better written than the kind of maudlin lugubrious backstory heavy stuff that I was doing for the adult characters. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, good luck with it. Do you want to play Thanks. a little game before we finish up? Yeah. What's the game? Uh, what are some of the items at the snack bar at uh, uh, at the Linwood uh, Linwood Bowling Skate? So I I have a a tab open with their their website on it. I'm not going to click it. Don't, I'm, supposed don't click to, it. I'm supposed to guess. Yeah. So right. six food items. The, the, the categories are food, snacks, and drinks. All right. There are six foods listed. Um, you want me you, to name name the six? Just take a guess. Yeah, what are the six foods? Six foods. Uh, snack pe- bar. 
pizza. Pizza slice. Pizza yeah. slice. Okay, got one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the Seattle area, so uh, something involving seafood. Maybe fish and chips. No fish and chips. No poutine. No. No gooey. No gooey duck fritters. No. This is a very no. very standard. There's nothing unusual. You got pizza slice. How about a burger? What about a burger? No burger. No burger? No burger. No burger? No burger. No burger. There's two kinds of dogs. Hot. Yeah, and for and 25 cold. cents more, you can get corn. On the cob. Corn dog. Corn dog. Oh, a corn dog. All right. Kinds of dogs. Corn dogs and an extra quarter. Uh, cheese is listed as a food, but it's only 75 cents, so I don't know. I guess you can put the cheese on other things. There's got to be uh, something uh, potato-based here. Are, are there fries? No, no fries. There are no fries. No fries. Tater tots. No tater tots. I'm running no out of, I'm running nachos. out of possibilities here. Oh, nachos, nachos and pretzels. Okay. Uh, snacks. The snacks are candy, a frozen <laughs> lemonade, and mini donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the snacks, and they're not foods. <laughs> uh, but I, 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 let's move over to beverages. All right. See if you do any better in beverages. How about beer? Can you get a pint of beer? You can get beer, but it's not at the not at the snack bar. You have to go to the bar, which is the roll ba- the the roll bar, in order to uh to get beer. Okay. Get uh, let's see. Uh, soda. The, the, the title soda. is not is not uh, beverages. The title is soda. Your soda. choices are. There's uh, four sizes: kid sized, regular, large, and pitcher. And so you can get a pitcher or a kid-sized of any of these uh, eight choices. Okay. <laughs> uh, top top guesses? Any guesses? Well, since there's uh, frozen lemonade in the foods, maybe there's lemonade in the... Good, 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 good cogitation there. There's Minute Maid lemonade. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> get a pitcher of Minute Maid lemonade. Yeah. A Coca-Cola, uh, Diet Coke, and Sprite. Iced tea, maybe? No. No. A Dr. Pepper. No, but the other. Dr. Pepper's less credentialed relative. <laughs> um, I don't know. What, what is that? Mr. Pip. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's the same, same flavor, pretty much. I right? don't think I've, I've ever lived in a Pib-rich area. So yeah. it's a, it's rare for me to see Mr. Pib. I like Mr. Pib. Less credentialed cousin. <laughs> There's Barks root beer. There's Fanta orange. And then you could go you could you could here's something you could do. You could have some children. <laughs> yeah. You could take them for a birthday party and have them skate around, do some bowling. And when yeah. they're thirsty, you get them several pitchers of high sea fruit punch. This <laughs> is a punch bowl, really. It's a punch line. Um, and the, you can get them as a chili willy. <laughs> um, you can also, here's something you can add to any of them. 
you can add to the Sprite, you can add it to the high sea fruit punch. For an extra quarter, you can get a shot of cherry flavor. Mmm. In, in, uh, in any of your beverages or just Coke? Yeah. No, it, it says that you can have it in any beverage is my is yeah. what, what I guess. But then below that in separate and in a smaller, um, smaller, uh, I don't know what kind of board, what you call that board. I want to, it's not a peg board. Yeah. Uh, the the kind of board, board. Where you, know, you, got, you got the letters where you can put the letters in. Take oh, yeah, out. yeah. Yeah, like a reader board. Uh, yeah, a much smaller, uh, I think more recent, uh, maybe with some letters that were purchased separately, uh, you can get a V8. <laughs> Is it you, you? You'd imagine that that's like the result of some kind of external review. You know that yeah. city government has inspected the place and said you're going to need some vegetable juice on this menu. So they've retro retrofitted the menu with with V8. Yeah, there was a um, spent a lot of time in the arcade. Um, so I send this to you. I wish I could send it through Skype. Okay. Um, I'll send it to your email. Um, We're so connected in so many ways. I know. Here's here's a problem with the latest version of Skype. By the way, the little box when I have a window open in front of Skype, there remains a little tiny box with you in it that I can put up near the up near the camera on my laptop so that it appears that I'm looking you in the eye, roughly. Well, that's nice. But whenever I open a different window, the the box jumps to another location. Yeah. So uh, you keep you keep uh, jumping around. Stop jumping around, Ed. That's what Sorry. I'm saying. Uh, the, the photo. We spent a lot of time in the uh, arcade, uh, not playing the games, but letting you know, letting Oscar punch all the buttons and climb on the little mini motorcycles yeah. for the racing game. And one of them had a, uh, the racing games had a, uh, you could have a, 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 there was a view change button. And I thought that it was, uh, it, it would pertain also to the, uh, the practice of writing fiction. Um, yeah. Uh, and teaching point of view. Uh, Ooh. Do you have the picture? Well, uh, I don't. It hasn't come through. Well, maybe it won't. But it, uh, <laughs> Is it in, in email, you say? Yeah. Oh, it's on your telephone there. Look at that. All right, hold on. What does it say? No, it's not backwards. Show it to me again. It says, you change button. inside the car, above the car's roof, above the car narrow, above the car wide. I think these are the, these are the four points of view in, in fiction. <laughs> inside the car, above the car's roof, above the car narrow. Above the car wide. You know what? I actually have a I actually have a narrative device in this novel in progress that, um, that actually is con- is conscious of the 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 manner with which it's floating around, observing things, and it is there are scenes where it's hovering in in inside, in front of, behind, and above a car. Okay. So I'm I'm actually yeah. employing those rules in my yeah, novel. All four. All you four have a different dimensionality. Time. Use all four. Just as in the game, it, it's probably helpful. Yeah. However, you need to play the game to uh, to see yourself from from different angles, different points yeah. of view. What if I were um? What if I were behind this car above it and could see it at a wide angle? What would that what, be like? 
What if I was above it and looked at it from a narrow angle? <laughs> you know what time it is? It's eleven eleven. A time of day that I think of you every time I see it because of that poem of yours. Make a the wish. Twin, twin storks in the clock. Make a wish. I. Well, I, w- I wish we could. I wish my wish is that we could just podcast forever. We could go on and on forever. That's sweet. That's but I'm not going to get that wish because I have to uh, clean the you house. Got, you got things my to book, do. My book group, yeah, my book group is coming to talk about persuasion, the oh, the the meanest of dads. Jane Austen novels. Yeah, ridiculous dads. Yeah, I never read Persuasion. Uh, it's good, although it's it's the more Henry. Book. Yeah, it's more Henry Jamesian. It's more emotionally detached. Um, and kind of peculiar, and there's a lot of the kind of um, the kind of stuff, the the aspects of life that the rest of Austin elides uh, is in this. Like somebody gets a concussion and goes into a coma, um, and somebody else breaks a collarbone, just like ra- random, random nonsense uh, happens, and it it life seems less stable in persuasion than than in other Austin and the kind of uh, vagaries of happenstance that have always kind of fueled her plots seem petty and depressing here. I I like it. I I don't like it the way I like Emma, which is a much warmer book. Also everyone's an asshole in persuasion. People are just dicks. Right? Yeah. The, the, her other books it's sort of a manipulation of of static environments. Yeah. Or static situations. Yeah, I feel like um sh- obviously all of her books are about about the sort of li- limitations. They're they're limiting exercises. They're about the limitations of the society, the things that can and can't be done and the consequences of sort of pushing the envelope. Um but this one the presents a society that is more malleable and has been shaped more by petty concerns than the other ones it seems to question this its its own social structure more which i find interesting and i wish she had lived longer and had been able to continue in this vein um but there's some of the some of the chill of henry james is in this book and i though it doesn't make for my favorite austin it makes for a very interesting austin mm-hmm. very good are you serving uh treats your book i am gonna serve some uh a variety of cheeses um some bread, some what were they called? Crispy season, season crisp, season cr- cracker Andy, crispies, and Andy Cap hot fries. No, although I am definitely not above um, serving some Andy Cap fries for sure. Are these the same glasses you were wearing when I was in town? These are the second pair I got. Uh, I think I think so because I, I got a nice, uh, well, a nice looking pair of Warby Parker glasses that turned out to be terrible. Yeah, they were too small Scratched for you. Up. Yeah. As uh, well. These, they... are, these are from Costco. And no. I, I, I wanted something that was larger. Yeah, like they're wider. Um, these are wider than that. But then I had the taller one, and I, I think I like these. Yeah, I like me too. The, um, um, I, 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 I mostly spend most of the time looking at the, the top like the, the the line that the the glasses form at the top, but then you sort of, I mean, as people told me, after you've worn glasses for a couple of weeks, you stop seeing it. 
Yeah. You sort of, your brain edits out the frame. It doesn't like. need it. Does not need that, no. Yeah, I like them. I like them. I think they they suit you better than the other pair. Yeah, I think so. I like them. They make so such a big difference. One of the, the the best things that's happened to me in my early middle age has been getting glasses. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I recommend it to everybody. I I, I love them. I have trying, contact lenses. Everybody, every, to everybody trying to beginning to make accommodations, I recommend getting glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Most people are ahead of you on that, but. Um, the few, for the few who aren't, I think that's valuable advice. Yeah. Why, why did you resist? I, I didn't think about it because I had I had very good eyesight when I was young, um, yeah. in my twenties. Um, I don't know when it started to go bad, but you know, over the last few years, I'd find myself a little irritated or um, a little headachey, and uh, it, was, it was it was glasses. My eyes were. They're not that bad, but they're bad enough that yeah, that uh, as I detailed, um, they they added to a layer of stress and confusion that has has gone away and surely been replaced by something else. <laughs> yeah, like getting your car stolen. <laughs> oh, I didn't mind getting the car stolen. It's the second time it was stolen. It uh, <laughs> just made us realize we should have uh, got rid of it the first time. Uh, oh, somebody good. told us that that Subarus one of the reasons why in cities people are able to use these uh, Subarus from like ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand as a, a kind of taxi service um, is that there were ten key types made, and so there's That's only not, ten not many. keys to these Subarus, and so if you get a have a little key ring, you've managed to get all the key types, then you can just open and drive any Subaru that you'd like. Well, that's definitely, I, I suppose you, you did not get a 1998 Subaru for your new used car. It's some kind of mid-aughts Volvo. Ah, with, good. With a lot of miles. Yeah. Like I think more, mile, more miles is more okay on a Volvo than other cars, just because their engines are, are long-lasting. Yeah. Brakes, on the other hand, you will replace a lot. But um, but yeah, we have a 2004. Our newest car is a 2004 Volvo, uh, and yeah. it's it's uh, it's served us well. Which and we're model? still driving. We're still driving our 94 as well. The 94 is a uh, 940 wagon, and the uh, 2004 is a V70 wagon. This is a sedan, as sedan. I understand. As I said, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I'm interested in the fact that you haven't seen it, but um, we should wrap up the show uh, so that I and I'll get it up online probably this afternoon. But uh, it's good to talk to you again, friend. It's been a, it's been such a, a busy couple of weeks for you yeah. and for the magazine and the party and all that. And I just felt it. Uh, I was at some distance in reserve from it all. No, <laughs> I'm um, not not pulling my weight. Well, you've yep. you've abandoned Twitter, and you were for for good reasons unable to come to the East Coast. But I but I thank you, and I, I want I do want to say that uh, my uh, internet friends are are great. People are were so nice to me on Twitter, um, and they seem to like the story. And uh, uh, I I'm delighted. It was just re- re- it was really fun. Before we go, a little bit of an update though. Have your neighbors gotten wise to their uh, their role in? <laughs> I don't think I don't think so. If they have, they haven't told me. Let but us, I will no. say, yeah, I will say one thing. 
the the real guy who inspired the New Yorker story got wind of it immediately and has begun to quote the story on his uh, Facebook. People are making fun of him on his (laughs) Facebook page. They're calling him by the name I made up for him in the story. Um, and he seems to be a really good sport about it. But I'll actually, his this guy, his name is, he, he actually, as far as I know, is not actually like the guy in the story. I, I, my experience of the real guy was two, two minutes. Um, and I sort of spun that out into this character. But, uh, but um, the real guy's name is Stefan, and his bakery is called the Wide Awake Bakery. And he has a blog, um, Stefan's Bread Blog. Uh, and he he's a he's a hell of a good baker, and the focaccia is real and it's delicious. So you can, <laughs> and if you uh, but you do you still he still runs the thing where you sign up for bread ahead of time. Um, and it's called I'd forgotten this. It's called the Crust Fund. <laughs> oh, nice! It's a shame yeah. that you. Yeah, <laughs> it's that. a shame that I ruined it. No, <laughs> um, uh, but no, he's the, the he. Uh, by all accounts, this this guy is uh, very good humored. So, uh, is there a model for the spoke father? No, um, although in Missoula, do you remember in Missoula? <laughs> you talked about yeah, yeah. There was a guy called Parts Father. Parts who, Father, right? Who was like a motorcycle guru, and he uh, um, he would come into Second Thought and order coffee, and guys would always get up and talk to him with great excitement because he was kind of a legend among the motorcycle dudes and there were a lot of motorcycle dudes at second thought for some reason. So, um, so yeah, I, he was, he was a really, he seemed to be a really sweet guy. He was at least nice to me when I made him his espresso, but, um, um, but I liked, I just liked the idea of some obscure, you know, cultural figure whom, whom the narrator simply does not, does not understand the import of and, and can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's a good story. Yeah. Well, though Ithaca needs a spoke father. Maybe maybe one will be born. You have maybe you will become him. Are you hungry for lunch? Well then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well then come to lunch. Cause it's time for lunch box with Ed. That's right, it's time for Lunchbox with Ed and 